You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Here's the thing. We're a team of thieves. And when you do this, you're bound to make enemies. Sometimes those enemies come looking for revenge. Truth be told, we help the wrong person steal the wrong thing. We didn't mean to unleash the greatest evil the world has ever known. But we're gonna fix it. So how do we pull that off? Uh... Figure it out over a drink? Probably best. You need to... Then give us a fighting chance. We're gonna need strength. You got this, right? I know you don't. We also need courage. Magic. And you. What is that again? Smell there. Let's go. Be warned. There is evil here. I'm glad he's on our side. This one's dangerous. But whatever happens. that you bring to this i'm a planner i make plans you've already made the plan so if the existing plan fails i make a new plan so you make plans that fail no he also plays the loot not relevant hey there station one listeners and welcome to another episode that's right folks we're back with another movie review it's just like back to back to back. It was just like, it was crazy, you know, and we got a great one for us. This one is Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. It was a movie that I've been seeing the trailers for actually it feels like almost six months. And each time I saw the trailer, it kept on feeling like this is getting better and better and better. And then we finally got to see the movie and we'll tell you all about it. That's that's the best way to put it. We got a great crew here to talk about it. And, of course, let's say howdy to Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. How are you this week, my friend? Yeah, three three weeks in a row going to the movie theater. I don't think that's happened for a number of years now. So uh, Even during uh, summertime, I don't think we did it last year. No, no. And it's been pretty hectic. And I know we're not covering it next week, but, I mean, it's not going to slow down anytime soon with Sonic opening next week and going on and on and on until, you know, it's just, it's crazy. Things are in the theater are back to, back to normal in some ways, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. No, it's pretty amazing. And... It's going to be a fun one to talk about, and it's nice because this is a first. It could possibly become a franchise, but it's 
nice to have, you know, something that's not a DC Marvel or John Wick. So it's nice, you know, to, <laughs> to talk about and such. So it's cool. Um, body count was there, but you know, that's a whole different story. And, but we'll get into that. Of course, returning out of the airlock himself, JD is here. Hello, everybody. It's been a while. I was supposed to be on last year for the Thor Love and Thunder episode, and I got COVID. That sucked. Mm. So, yeah. um, how's it going? Yep, yep. They uh, they narrowly escaped letting me out of the airlock last year. Well, good thing they didn't. Oh, exactly. Uh, we all would have gotten infected. Well, we did. But some of us did, but, you know, more than others. So. <laughs> it wasn't but, my fault, though, so. Yeah, exactly. And, of course... <laughs> Ashley Pauls is here. We're doing a movie. So, of course, yes, it's been yeah, a while. I'm so sad that I had to miss the last couple movie chats. So, I'm looking forward to talking about um, movies with you guys tonight. It's interesting because, you know, you have a life or something like that, you know. Yeah, what's that <laughs> about? Like, <laughs> it's like, normally I don't, but just those two weeks in March, I did. Exactly. The rest of the year, she's ours. But that's, that's right. That's, yep. a whole another, that's a whole other story. But that's that's cool. So, it's going to be a lot of fun. Remember, we are going to spoil the heck out of this one. So, folks, remember, you have been warned. If you haven't seen it yet, put us on pause. Go see the movie. You will not be disappointed. Come back with a smile on your face and listen to our review. I think that's the best way to do it. And so let's go. Let's jump in with both feet. Mr. Mike, take it away, sir. Well, we'll start with the box office. Uh, the The first weekend of it opened, uh, Honor Among Thieves grossed thirty seven point two million in the United States and Canada, all just shy of, of forty of forty million, which it looked like it was going to hit, but it'll you know obviously get there. Um, it did about the same in other territories for a total of seventy million worldwide. Um, you know, it's funny. We were just a few weeks ago. We were talking about Shazam. Uh, gods of fury right yeah and uh that fury of the gods rather and that uh that wibbly wobbly did about the same. that's okay that that did about the same like a little over 30 million in the first weekend and that was considered a failure whereas this one i don't think people are considering this a failure i think people are uh, really uh, pleased with the response on this one it actually it actually beat estimates this year already well i think they wanted it to get to 40 uh, but, uh, but I think there's still legs, the critical and, and audience reactions have been really positive on this one. Uh, so I think overall, everybody seems pretty happy, but it is a very crowded, uh, as we've talked about, it's a very crowded cinema these days with, uh, Dungeons and Dragons opening. And that's, that wasn't the only movie that opened, uh, this past week, uh, Sonic opens next week. We just had John Wick is still uh, doing well it dropped a bit this week but it's still in theaters shazam's still in theaters like there's still a lot of their options scream is doing pretty well as well so there's a lot of options for people out there um and we can talk more about as we talk about the, our experience with this movie and everything about maybe why it's not getting um as much attention as some of the other theater as, as some of the other movies released but um uh, I think right now it's off to a decent start. And I think the word of mouth has been so good that, you know, if it wasn't for Sonic opening this next week, I think it might even like do really well its second week, but who knows now? I mean, it's going to, obviously Sonic's going to bump it out of a lot of theaters. Um, and so we'll see how it does, but um, 
But anyway, let's talk about. Um, so there hasn't been a Dungeons and Dragons, an official Dungeons and Dragons movie since two thousand, and that one did not did not go well. <laughs> I think in some ways they were look. I mean, if you look at it on paper, it seems like this one and that one have a lot in common. Uh, however, this one, uh, you know, we'll talk about it, but this one has a lot of advantages that the other one didn't. Um, uh, let's start with you, JD. What was your experience? Did you see the other movie? Have you played Dungeon and Dragon? What was your I, experience of knowing this sort of franchise before you went into the theater? I have played D and D. Um, uh, the first time I played, I was 27 years old. I wasn't allowed to play when I was a kid because my parents were all into the satanic panic thing. So that, that was a thing. Um, I was not allowed to watch the cartoon nor allowed to watch anything with dragons in it. I got yelled at for actually going with my grandparents to see Willow at the theater. But my grandparents didn't. They took me. So, um, <laughs> but I have played D&D. I played in a few different campaigns. And it's, I mean, it's a fun experience, especially if you've got a good group to play with. And there was a lot of that experience that I saw on screen. A lot of fun, a lot of shenanigans, and a you can almost pick out the scenes where there the 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 spots where uh if there was actually a player narrating this, they would have rolled badly, and that's what happened to the character on screen um fun stuff. I did not see the jeremy irons movie um but as I understand it, that apparently did not have a lot to do with Dungeons and Dragons except for the name so I mean, I don't know how faithful it was, but I do know that what I've read about it has not been positive. Whereas what I've read about this has been shockingly positive. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to see as much good press for this as I've actually seen. I was actually shocked by that. I really was. It was amazing how much positive from the reviewers, from the audience. It was just, you know, there was hardly any negative about it. There is not a lot of people online that are crapping all over it, which is, firstly, disgustingly rare nowadays. Um, <laughs> I love because it. Because <laughs> angry fans online, they will crap on everything. But I haven't even seen a lot of um, fallout from, again, the, 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 the satanic panic crowd, it's like that hasn't even started yet. So I'm pleasantly surprised. Awesome. Ashley, what about you? What uh have you played Dungeons and Dragons? Have you seen the original the other movie? Um, what did you know about Dungeons and Dragons going as a franchise going into this? Yeah, so I was super excited because I feel like I'm always the one on the podcast who's like, Well, I don't I'm not really familiar with the source material, but I was really excited to go into the movie and learn more about it. So I was thrilled to say like, yes, I actually have some prior experience with this franchise. So I have played Dungeons and Dragons before. I am not as much of a pro anywhere near that than my husband is, but have had some good times uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons um, with friends. I was particularly excited to see um, the Barbarian character because she reminds me very much of um, the character that I played in the most recent um, D&D campaign with my friends. I like to 
play a little against type. So my character um, could drink pretty much anybody under the table and like to punch things. So like I you, like you in real life. Exactly. exactly. That's exactly. when people think of Ashley Paul's. That's the image that they conjure exactly in their mind. Exactly what I think. So that's exactly. I, th- it, yeah. I think of you every time I see somebody eat a potato. So it's perfect. Exactly. You know? Yes. Yes. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's fun to see interesting to see that world brought to life on the big screen because Dungeons and Dragons as a game is all about like real people coming up with things in imagination. It's basically like playing a living, breathing board game where the rules change as you play its game, its storytelling. So then I was curious to see how that would translate into a live action movie. And I was kind of, I thought like at the end credits, they might have a scene where you see like, all the actors that are just playing this, like this is a game they're all playing, but I like that they kind of kept it real. Like these are characters and this is an adventure, but I really enjoyed it. I um, have seen the previous Dungeons and Dragons movie, but um, probably the less said about that, the better. So I thought this movie was a great deal of fun. I enjoyed myself. There were some laughs. It was funny without being too cheesy. It really felt like, um, a D&D game where some things go wrong and you just kind of have to roll with it. And I was really surprised to see it didn't do quite as well at the box office. I really think that people are still kind of slow going back to the theaters post COVID. So if this movie had dropped in like summer or fall 2019, I would, I expect it to do like 50, 60 million. It's opening weekend, perhaps more. So hopefully it'll have some staying power in um, the box office because it really is a lot of fun, whether you like to play D and D or not. Yeah. Well, it seems like playing D and D now is uh, at an all time high in terms of popularity. Um, I mean, it's mentioned on on several movies, TV shows, like Stranger Things, of course, um, has made a big deal has made a big deal about it. And then uh, I think there are podcasts that you can play along uh, or you can listen to people play YouTube videos, et cetera, et cetera. And I think there's an Amazon show, right? That uh, mm. they, they do like they do that. Critical as well. role, Vox Machina. It yeah. is a rub. It is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> okay. um, if you are offended by anything, don't watch it. If you are grossed <laughs> out by anything, don't watch it. But if you want, if you want to watch a fantasy cartoon that is, you know what? They pull no punches. It is phenomenal. My child and I watch it. They are 18. I took them to see this movie um, because they have played D&D with me. And they just, Vox Machina is a romp. And the <laughs> podcast that it came from, Critical Role, I listen to that. I listen to stuff from the people behind D&D but Beyond. And it's interesting. And I have to wonder what the critical role people will think of this movie. I'm hoping to see some reviews from them. I'm sure you I'm, will. I'm, I'm sure you will. Yeah, Mike, uh, Mike, what's your experience with D&D? Well, me, D&D goes back to high school. And, you know, we used to play some campaigns back then. And it was always interesting because when I was in, in school, you know, we had a group of friends who used to play it. But we discovered girls and started dating and such. And, you know, some of us started sports. Some of us went to theater and, you know, we just started growing apart. So I lost, lost it with D and D, but I know friends of mine who played it throughout college. Then there was the, or the movie, but there was also a cartoon series. And I used to watch the cartoon that was on and 
it was it was fun and you know it was more kiddish and i was already in college by the time that came out and so you know i have friends mile who still play it and everything and i've always been fascinated to, with it but never had the time to do it and you know i've judy and i've talked about getting it with some friends of ours who do play regularly and they've invited us a couple times just setting up times to be able to do it and we're looking forward to trying it and such but you know so it's on our radar but you know when they announced this movie it was just like okay you know this looks cute like i said the trailers looked awesome and i liked the cast you know chris pine seemed as charming as he, he always does and even more so and I like that it wasn't super serious. I like that it was making fun of itself in some ways and even was, you know, it was like you were, like you had said, it almost felt like there was a, you know, like you had a dungeon master rolling the dice and everything for this. And that's what I loved about it. And it moved really well. There wasn't, you know, the center part of the movie, the second act was kind of slow, but then with the third act picked right up and I loved every second of it. So I you know. really got a kick. Even though I didn't watch the cartoon when I was a kid, mm -hmm. I have watched it as an adult. And to see those animated characters in live action in in this movie, I'm like, oh my god! And they were instantly recognizable. If you're, oh, if you know, yes. I'm like that. That was. I feel like it was a nod that they didn't have to put in, but somebody very lovingly decided, oh yeah, this we. We can't make this movie without nodding at. Oh, there was that. some huge was, nods was, to it. That was and excellent. It, and I loved seeing that. It was so well done. And it was just like, and it's like, oh, they did not survive. They did not survive. No. And, it, and they did not go pretty. <laughs> yeah, this I, place of uh, beast. Yeah, that's no joke. <laughs> I, uh,. I have to admit, I have never played Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, not for lack of not wanting to. I remember when I was a kid, I, I got a game, uh, for my birthday or whatever. And, uh, like the introduction set or whatever, but I just didn't have anybody to play with. So I never got a chance to play it. Um, and when I got older, I just went, uh, I did different things and, uh, uh, just it got away from me. So, uh, but I, I'm familiar with it, obviously. And, in the circles that I run in, it's hard, it's impossible to not have it rub off on you in some ways. Uh, I don't, I don't pretend to get any of the references, although I will say that my ears perked up whenever they mentioned Baldur's Gate. I was like, I know that. Like, I don't know why I know that, but I know that. Um, so uh, certain things like that, um, uh, you know, I understand that it's a team and each team member has brings something different to the table, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, by working together, they usually, you know, either have success or not success in, in terms of the missions and everything. So I, I understand that. Um, uh, yeah, I did see the 2000 movie and, uh, yeah, I do say it was cool because it had Tom Baker in it. Um, and uh and riffraff uh was in it as well so it had some interesting guest stars but the main plot or whatever but i do remember that they tried it it was an adventure movie that they that took itself a little too seriously but because uh there was uh damon wayans in it that uh it, you know they tried to add humor to it so 
obviously that's what they go for here, but I think it's much more successful in this one. I didn't get like all the references or whatever. I just watched it as a movie and as a movie, it works. It's fun. It's got that same kind of tone as say, um, you know, like a princess bride or something like that, where it's like, you know, adventure also, um, uh, with a little bit of humor, um, and moves along and yeah, Chris Pine is, uh, a great leading man. I don't know why he doesn't do it more often. Um, he's not a guy as far as right now, maybe this will change, but, uh, he's not a guy that really, you see a lot of franchises build themselves around. Um, he got a lot for this one though. I think he got like $12 million, uh, for this movie. So, uh, like, yeah, like a good 10th of the budget of this movie went to him. Um, but, uh, I think all, every other penny that was put into this movie, you can see on the screen. And then some, uh, they had mm-hmm. industrial lights and magic do these effects and my God, they look great. I mean, they didn't have, this movie doesn't have any right to look as good as it does. I have to believe that it's because that, uh, the people who were doing it, uh, doing it because they love Dungeons and Dragons as well. Oh, very much so. And it was neat because you could tell it was a nice mix between CGI and practical effects too, mm-hmm. which was really well done. I was very happy to see them do that, that it wasn't just CG, 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 all stuffed down your throat. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's go back to you, Ashley. What, uh, what's something about the movie that resonated with you? Well, I mean, I've talked on the podcast before. You all know how I feel about Chris Pine. So anytime I get to see him on the big screen is okay by me. But yeah, I thought this was the perfect sort of role for him. Some humor and then um, kind of bringing this whole band of misfits together. Also mentioned I really liked uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character, the barbarian. Um, I like that. They picked the different um, classes from the D&D game and then brought them to life with these characters. Um, a lot of the characters reminded me of different D&D games I play with friends. Like, oh, that reminds me of my husband's character from one of the first campaigns we did. So I think it's something that a lot of D&D players can relate to. And I really liked how they established the world for people that aren't necessarily familiar with the franchise and just again, how like gorgeous the cinematography looked. I didn't get a chance to see this in IMAX, but would like to go back and see it in that large format, just because I like that they, it, I'm sure it costs extra money to send these actors to the practical sets, but it really elevates how the movie looks. And I think was um, worth the extra money spent. And I like, you got to see all the different environments, like going down into the lava cave going to the castle and then the prison in the snowy world. So yeah, it just, it, it was a lot of fun and it made me feel like reminded me of playing a fun game of D and D with my friends. Mm. Uh, JD, what about you? What, uh, what's something that resonated with you uh, for the movie? Um, I'd like, I liked it. Not only did it not take itself too seriously, it took itself seriously just enough and where it needed to um mm-hmm. it didn't the all of the humor was organic and it felt like this is what the adventuring party goes through and you know there's there's pratfalls and obviously somebody missed a role here and oh that didn't go very well but there were no there wasn't anything that felt grossly out of place 
um, that took me out of the movie, which is good because nothing nothing sucks more watching an adventure movie on TV or on, on the big screen. And all of a sudden, there's a character or something that just feels out of place. And it's like, oh, I don't buy it anymore. Because honestly, I thought Hugh Grant might because he's just he's just crotchety enough even in real life that I'm like, just going to feel like he's playing Hugh Grant. He didn't. He actually felt like he was just playing this slimy character, but I'm like, all right, he, he even pulled that off. Um, seeing Neverwinter, the sprawling city that it is on the big screen was epic. Um, I mean, they, they referenced Waterdeep. They referenced Baldur's Gate. There's a lot of familiar environments, like the Sword Coast. They mention all of these things, and they're all right from the game. But Neverwinter is one of those where it's been a part of D&D since early on, and they got it right. It wasn't, it didn't just, it didn't just look like a bad CGI matte painting. It was, it felt like this is a city where people actually live. And these events actually happen, and I bought it. I absolutely bought it, and my child agreed. There was nothing that my kid got really annoyed by because they have a slightly shorter tolerance level for things that are just really annoying than I do, and even <laughs> they didn't have any complaints. So, yeah, it was, it was they did everything right with this movie, and even if it even if it doesn't spawn a direct sequel with the returning cast, if it can create another, if, if it can lead to another D&D movie and with different characters, different actors, but with the same spirit, I would love that. Mm-hmm. I could easily see this being a franchise if the same people can write it um, and direct it. Because, you know, John Francis Daly was the co-writer, co-director. He's a big D&D veteran um he was on freaks and geeks um and you know he he uh i mean i don't know i don't know the the other guy that worked on it but it seems pretty clear he's as much of a dnd geek as as uh john francis daly and i'm impressed yeah yeah i i get what you were saying about hugh grant because from the ads and and i don't know I used to really, really like Hugh Grant, but at some point I turned a corner or he turned a corner or something. And I, I just, he would always take me out of whatever I was watching. Like I was like, Oh, that's Hugh Grant doing something rather than that's a character. Um, and I was worried about that here. I like, man, he seems like a, a putting a square peg in a round hole from the trailers and everything. But I will say that uh, going in, like watching an actual movie, I think he he fits really well and he does a great job. Um, um, he's one of those guys that, you know, he it, it sort of seems like he, at times he doesn't take anything seriously. Um, so you wonder if that's going to be a problem, but I think it fit this character pretty well as well. So um, so I agree with you on that one. Uh, Mike, what's I... something else about the movie that uh, stuck out for you? Oh, like everyone's saying, the characterizations of the each one, and you had each one. You had a wizard, you had a barbarian, you had a, you know, a changeling. You had, you know, and it was, you know, it was awesome because, 
you had, you know, Chris Pine was the bard and you had, you know, each one that you, it's a possible different character. And there's still so many characters we never saw, you know, that are a part of the game. So they can go so many different directions with sequels and such. And I do think this is an opening volley into a whole new world. And it was, and it was interesting because Baldur's Gate was one of the first electronic uh, D&D computer games that was out years ago. That's probably how you recognize the name. Could be. Could and be. I, because I remember when I used to work at the bookstore in high school, that was one of the, you know, old, you know, games where it was mostly text driven games and stuff like that. It was based off of D&D that they did. So it was pretty fascinating. Uh, I did like Chris Pine was awesome. And other than Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, and Hugh Grant, those are the only actors that I knew in this film. And Yeah, those were the ones I was familiar with as well. And so I was, as I told Judy, this was a true Saturday afternoon popcorn movie. It was enjoyable. It was, you know, nothing that I rolled my eyes at. I'd never broke out my phone. I'd... I was like riveted with this from the opening scenes and I liked the backstories with the characters. I liked how, you know, you know, Edwin was, you know, a Harper before he became a thief. And I liked how it went into that whole, his spiral, you know, the death of his wife, the daughter, and, you know, and I liked, you know, that he, he had good intentions. And he, you know, he was trying to be a dad and try to make up for it. And I liked the story and I liked the Red Witches were awesome as the big bads. They were, they were pretty darn amazing. And I thought it was awesome. I loved the battle in the lava caverns with the fat dragon, you know. That was hysterical. <laughs> as soon as that dragon came out, my kid and I looked at each other. I'm like. A fat red dragon that that really turns on its head the idea of the the dragon as a threat. And it was still a threat, but oh, very much. It was, so. it was funny in just the right way. I'm like that mm -hmm. could have been really obnoxious, but it wasn't, and it was funny. And I think I there was a lot of laughter at that, and I just hope they were laughing with the movie and not at the movie. Yeah, I think so because it's something that you haven't, you nobody even thought about. I mean, who's ever we've never seen a fat dragon never, before? Never. No. We've been seeing a lot of dragons lately, uh, in various things, but never like a fat one. So you, you would never see that in Game of Thrones. I'm telling you now. <laughs> no, yeah. oh, no, no, <laughs> no. But it was interesting too. I loved the one scene where you know they were being chased by the fat dragon and. The fat dragon was on the bridge and knocked the bridge and Chris Pine's character was starting to slide towards the mouth and he was rescued. The other the other um Harper jumped over him with the sword and oh that was just so well shot that was just like I almost did a fist pump at that point that was how mm -hmm. much I enjoyed that scene it, it was good it was like really good and then yeah, the other go ahead. No, no, no. Um, all I was going to say is, and then the other scene where I just lost it, I loved it, 
was when they got rid of all the treasure from the boat and it was coming out of the balloon, out of his mouth, out of out of Hugh Grant's mouth, basically on the balloon, dropping onto the people and everything. I just thought that was classic to see. I like that scene because, you know, because they paid it off. When they first talked to the paladin, he said, I will do this, but only if you distribute the wealth to the people of Neverwinter. And, and you know, Chris Pine's character says, well, of course I will. And the paladin says, look, I know you don't believe it yet, but I believe it, that you'll make good on this. And that's why he agreed to it. And sure enough, all of that money went to the citizens and, it was great to get him out of the stadium before the big bad thing happened. And I'm like, this is really I'm like, they, they, again, they paid it off and it didn't seem out of place. What I was amused by was the scene where they're looking for the person's dead relative and they keep taking oh, out the bodies, the bodies yeah, surviving sure. just long enough to ask the questions. And one of the D and D campaigns that I was watching online one time, had the party doing that, had the party talking to um, a corpse with the five questions and everything. And I'm just <laughs> like, they really, they really stuck to some of the intricacies of the spells in the game. It wasn't just let's do magic spells. They actually, they obviously took some of the game mechanics into, uh, in the consideration when they were doing it. And they didn't have to. But I feel like because they did, it'll have more appeal to veteran D&D players who might otherwise call shenanigans on it if it just seemed like a generic sword and sorcery movie. So well, it was interesting because in that scene, Judy was like, that's out of Monty Python asking, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> there's certain there's certain uh, definitely calls to Python, especially the credits uh, just feel like they were something by... Uh, you know, Terry Gilliam or something. Um, oh, when he started the, melting, when he was playing, he was the hologram or whatever, the, the illusion. And he just started melting into the blob. <laughs> that was just awesome. The um, But Mike, to piggyback off, you said like the uh, the cinematography, the, the shots, the visualization of some of the scenes, sequences, I think was what really I did not expect. I wasn't familiar with these filmmakers, so I didn't know. Yeah, I pretty much thought it was going to be, um, you know, pretty, uh, not pedestrian, but I didn't expect a lot. But I really, these guys really stepped up. And with, when you're using CG and when you're using, mixing it with practical and doing all this stuff, that is not easy to do. And my, I think the thing that I was most impressed with is there's a sequence where um, Doric, the druid, um, gets caught. Like she's spying on them. Uh, she's a fly. And she gets caught and there's this chase scene and she's changing into various creatures to try to get away. There's no cuts in that. That is like a, that is like one sequence that just goes on and on and on following her. Um, we see that in like live action, of course, it's, it's tricky to do, but they do it, you know, um, granted they have the technology now where they don't actually have to shoot it all like that, but it looks smooth and seamless and that's what this looked like too. And it really puts you in her shoes. And it really, um, I think does a really good job at, at letting you know, like what, uh, like the danger, like, even though it's funny, like, even though there's a lot of funny things that happen in this movie, um, the stakes are real. Like the stakes feel like they have weight to them. 
uh, the dangers of the witches. They look evil. They're, I mean, even the fat dragon looks, I mean, yeah, it's fat. That's funny, but man, it can still kill you. Like, I mean, like that's, do not take it like lightly, pun intended. Um, so, uh, but I really was impressed by the directorial effort uh, by uh, Goldstein and Daly on this because Man, that is not easy to pull off a lot of these uh, a lot of these effects uh and a lot of these sequences um we talked about last week with John Wick being so amazing and stepping up the bar uh for action sequences. I wouldn't put Dungeons and Dragons on that level, but damn, it really does a good job at showcasing everybody's powers um in a way that a superhero movie you would expect to do but this is for a fantasy movie, and I thought that was really well done. I would not be surprised if these two guys don't get offers from DC, Marvel, Star Wars, whatever, because I could see, like, they impressed the heck out of me, that's for sure. Ashley, what's something else about the movie that uh, you appreciated? Something else that I um, enjoyed is seeing the deep friendship and family um, relationship between Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez's character, yet they didn't do a forced romance. Like I liked that they were friends that were, and she came alongside to help parent his daughter after her loss, but they didn't try to like make it a romance. So I really enjoyed seeing that unique dynamic. And then he definitely has a type. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> that was an unexpected little joke. I, I got I to chuckle out of that. So um, yeah. And that, an interesting cameo there too, huh? Yeah. It's like, is that, is that Bradley Cooper? So it was a rocket. You never know. A little bit of Bradley show. Cooper. A little yes. bit of Bradley <laughs> Cooper. <laughs> but yeah, I liked that they focused more on the friendship between them and then um, what she meant uh, to his daughter and, um, yeah, I like that they let the characters, each one kind of got their time of being screw ups. They weren't all like top of their game, like Captain America, like I'm here to save the world. They've all done some, du- some dumb stuff like the wizard. Will he be able to pull off his spell? Will he not definitely have played, um, some D and D campaigns, not going to name any names with wizards that when it comes time to roll like more often than not like the spell doesn't go very well so but then even he got his hero uh moment in the end so um really really appreciated that seeing that extra attention of detail to the characters absolutely yeah they were all they i think they did a really good job at even though there was a big cast of characters to choose from they juggled them all really well they all had moments that we all learned their backstory we get to know them very well yeah and their relationships as well um especially as you mentioned between uh chris pine's character and michelle rodriguez uh you know i i did like that as well that it's not you know it's a not a love story um, and the decision that he has to make at the end, yes, um, is is totally credible. Like you totally buy into it, even though it's like, I don't know if I would make that decision, but I can understand, especially with the daughter right there, why yeah. he makes the decision that he does. Like it felt I like thought a, it was very well done, though. Yeah, it was complex and it felt emotionally earned, which it it could have gone a totally different way. So I appreciated that. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I thought I thought they did a good job with that and hope we get to see them all again. Well, it's interesting because, you know, 
when he when he was talking to Zarek earlier in the movie, you know, about he wants to use the tablet to bring his wife back yeah. to life, you know, and he said, you know, that life is just one level of the journey and his his wife is on another level that, you know, she, she's been experienced something else already, mm-hmm. you know, since she's been gone. You know, do you want to rip her from that other journey to bring her back and everything? And so it was real interesting the way they put it that way. And then I started thinking, oh, he's going to use it for something else. And, you know, and I thought it was perfect how he did it. Yeah. And it's pretty consistent. I mean, even the joke with the, the you know, the, the recurring joke with the dead people and asking them questions and everything. It's like, it's like they want to go back to being dead because they don't like come out of, they don't come alive and go like, woohoo, I'm alive again. They're like, no, put me back to being dead because that's where I belong. Like, mm-hmm. I, I like the fact that they reinforce that idea there too. The, the one, the one guy they stranded though, because they <laughs> yeah. only asked him four questions. He's like, yeah. Can somebody asked me one that, that, that was, question. That, that was pretty mean. Totally right. I was, yeah, I, I will admit, like, I was, I was like, I was like, come on, uh, Edgen, like, come on, that, that's mean. That's just, just mm-hmm. like interrupt him and ask your last question as you're walking away. You don't have to stay for the answer. Just ask the question. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Poor man, have peace. Uh, something else, JD, that uh, that uh, resonated with you in the movie? Um, when they, uh. When they first mentioned that, um, that the, the, you know, the person on the patrol, the parole board, basically, yeah, the one guy they were waiting for to show up, when he mentioned that, that, that he's an oracora, uh, an aracara, I can't even say that word. Uh, it's basically the big anthropomorphized, like they're birds, but they're bird people. And I thought right. that was the first time I thought, oh boy. How are they going to pull this off? Because it could have come off looking really bad or really cartoony, and it did not. He no. actually, I'm like, yep, that's a big crow guy, and I bought it, and it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't feel like parody. It was just, no, that's pretty much how, if, like, if we ever see, like, a, like a, walking talking bird person in a marvel movie they have to do it as well as that so, um i like the way that that bookend the movie too where you know where chris Pine's character is doing it in the beginning and you know hugh grant's doing uh is in front of the pearl board at the end i like the fact that that was book bookended like that i thought that was really effective uh mike something um something else about the movie from you there was good or bad it was anything bad about the movie like i said i felt like the second act was a little slow but i thought it was good there wasn't anything bad in this one i it was enjoyable through and through you know i liked all the characters there wasn't one of the characters that i was going you know, why do they have this is he here just for the humor i was starting to feel that at the very beginning about the the wizard but I, he proved himself multiple times over and over again. There wasn't one care, and each character had their shining moment. There wasn't, you know, oh, this is the Chris Pine movie, and, you know, you're just going to be focusing on him. But I didn't feel like that was just everything. And 
I really liked it. Um, I liked, you know, that he, you know, that the, he, it was like the mission where he was going to go get the tablet and he left his daughter behind. And I liked that, you know, he explained it, you know, that's when things went to crap with him. And, mm. you know, and I liked that. I thought that was awesome. And I liked, you know, that he found out when he found out it was a setup that it was, you know, he was meant to, it was supposed to be him and the wizard who got caught in the time stoppage, but it was really well done. And then I loved when they tried pulling that one at the, at the end, but they were ready for it. And I loved how they included the daughter, how they had a plan already set and that they used the invisibility that she had, you know, the, the amulet and was able to use that to help stop her. And I thought that, and then I loved, Oh God, the bear that was at the owl bear. Oh, the owl bear was awesome. The they owl did bear a great was job with that. I I've never heard of an owl awesome. bear. I've never seen an owl bear, but I like that was like one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm -hmm. I I loved that, and I loved how they introduced her. You know that she was the horse, and you know, at, and it's like, and it's like, oh, that's not her. And then the horse just threw the guy off and turned into the owl bear. It was just like, oh, <laughs> that was just awesome. And then they brought the owlbearer back at the end, and it was just like, and that red witch got what she deserved. She totally did. So there's... Yeah. there were shades of the you know Hulk Loki scene from Avengers there, but um, it was well earned. I think. I mm. I think this movie outshone that scene with Hulk <laughs> uh, with Hulk. You know, this smacking oh, yeah. him around like a rag doll. Because at the end of that, I turned to my kid and I said puny god um, <laughs> now now i'm gonna watch avengers and just say no no i think he should have uh smacked the floor with late with loki's face just a few more times <laughs> all right well we've kind of uh mentioned you know the possible future of this now uh i saw in an interview that one of the directors daily said that it was never his intention when we came on board to make this film a franchise and i I, I appreciate him saying that, although I, I just call shenanigans on that because you can't tell me that, that Paramount Hasbro is going to hope that this is not going to be a franchise. Everything's a franchise these days. So I, I, you know, maybe it was, maybe they were trying to be focused on one movie at a time. I get that. That's great. But Hasbro and Paramount want more. Um, and I think this is going to be successful enough, despite the maybe lackluster blockbuster numbers that it's doing. I think once it goes to streaming, this thing is going to be on. People are going to be playing this over and over again. It's going to find new life on Paramount Plus or Netflix or wherever it ends up being. Um, what do you want to see if there's more D&D? Uh, Ashley, we'll start with you. Do you want to see the same crew? Do you want to see the world open up a bit? Do you want to see these same people involved. Yeah. Well, I'm torn because I like these characters a lot. I would like to see them go on a completely different adventure, especially since I was a little sad. The Paladin character didn't end up going on the final mission with them just because I thought he had a great vibe with the cast and kind of the push and pull between him and Chris Pine's character. So I would like to see more with that character, but I also see a certain charm in, 
you know, let's just wipe the slate clean. We have a completely different cast of characters bring in some of the, like, there's a, like, as mentioned before, there's a huge amount um, of classes of D&D characters that you can develop as a player. So bring in some of those different ones, bring in other, like, um, A-list actors to play some of these roles. So it's kind of hard. I don't know what I want to see more. I like these characters, want to see them again, but also would like to see them do something um, completely different and kind of shake up the standard uh, sequel template that Hollywood tends to follow. Is there something from the games, either a character, a race, a, uh, a power, a being, a creature, whatever, that you would like to see on, in live action? See, well, I, my uh, previous character was a pirate, so I would like to see some more uh, seafaring, some of the side, that side. Well, um, more boat. We got good boat in this, but yes, but like a sequence that's on the high seas, that Yes, that would be really cool. And I would like to see um, some more of the different races, like maybe a halfling character that's a main character or one of the, uh, the name is slipping me, but the dragon type. um, Dragonborn. Dragonborn, thank you. Yes, that is a main character. I would like to see some more of that show off the diversity of the Dungeons and Dragons universe. It'd be cool to see some different types of uh, creatures and races within that world represented within the main cast. JD, I'm going to put that same question to you. What What do you want to see in a sequel? Because we know there's going to be another one. I mean, I'd be shocked if there wasn't. If there's not another one, I will be, I will be crashingly disappointed. But (laughs) I. I think even if they don't get the same cast back, but they can get, like, find a character to bridge the two, maybe, um, like, uh, or have one of these characters, even if they don't get the whole cast back, have one of these characters come back, whoever wants to do it, and have them join a different party or a couple of the people, and they get new members of the party. Um, that happens all the time when you play. Oh, new yeah. players sit down at the table so you so they get incorporated and somebody has to leave the game so the the party changes but they but they keep going um because like they had to pay chris pine a lot to get him in here so maybe he wouldn't come back but i'm pretty sure michelle rodriguez would come back um she's been letty toretto in what five of the Fast and the Furious movies. Um, I mean, she was dead for two of them, but she came back later. Um, She's feeling much better now. And she was in the, what, two of the Resident Evil movies. I'm sure she'd come back to play Holga. She was clearly having having, having a, a, a romp of a time doing it. Um, I don't think they'd get Hugh Grant back, but he belongs in that that tower prison. Um, I, uh, But I... One thing I do want to see is more dwarves. There was one, but I need to see more dwarves. But to be fair, I've leveled that complaint at the original Lord of the Rings trilogy because we had Gimli and a few background dwarves. Then the Hobbit came along and dwarves everywhere. I was happy about that. <laughs> um, so I want to see a dwarf main character, maybe four. I, I, I'm just just uh but i do i want to see more and i want to see him mix it up and there is there is literally no limit 
to what they could do. They just have to get people involved that really, that really put their all into it to make it the fun romp that this one was. And I don't think they can lose. Mike, what about you? What uh, what do you want to see next? I want to see more gelatinous cube. I totally want to see more of that. <laughs> that was just a, so funny. That was awesome. It was awesome. And you got to see that first guy run right into it. Is that it from the movie? Like, that pop figure? Is that from the movie? Dungeons and Dragons, my friend. I didn't know if it was from the the game or if it was from the movie. I think it's from the game. Gotcha. But they okay. but they do have um they do have, of course, Dungeons and Dragons from the movie. Hasbro makes Hasbro has a has a line of six inch figures from this movie, and they do have a gelatinous cube that's in scale with the six inch figures, and it's it's made of like soft plastic, so mm-hmm. it's kind of you know, it's not gooey, but it gets the effect and mm-hmm. it's got stuff floating inside of it and that oh, was really cool what what i love about this is actually has the the funko i'm holding up for our youtube listeners actually has a hand coming out of it and the hand's still normal but the rest is all skeleton all right that was yeah. and you know it worked fast too because the one he goes into the gelatinous cube and then the party runs around a couple of corners and they run into the gelatinous cube again and that dude is already a skeleton i'm like damn that happened fast that poor guy yeah. Um, you know, I forgot to mention the one specific D and D thing that I want to see in the sequel is a beholder. Get yeah. a beholder in there. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be Xanathar. Just get a beholder. But I thought, you know what? I bet they're saving that for another movie. Oh, I'm sure. I am totally sure. It's interesting though, because like you said, Mike, they they can fit a ton of characters into this movie, and when you play D and D. And you have a new a new campaign. You have new characters join in all the time, and you have other people leave. They don't get killed off. They just go on other journeys because you know they can't play for a while or something like that. It could be the same thing. And the final scene in the final movie, you actually show that you know it's been that's they show like a model on the table, and they actually have the people with the dice and everything, and they're all like you know playing it and everything. I think that would be just brilliant. <laughs> the uh I would like to make sure even though I don't I can't really speak to the game but um as far as what I'd like to see it brought into it but um you know I would really like to see Goldstein and Daly uh come back as dungeon masters I guess cuz they you know obviously they know how to tell a good uh campaign here um however the, another movie that this really reminded me of in tone and in fun was the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And yeah, I do recall I that. that, and I do recall <laughs> that the writers of that first movie had no idea that there was going to be a, a sequel because at that time they weren't, that studios weren't doing franchises and it was un, almost unheard of to make a movie out of a, a amusement park ride. So they thought this was going to be a one and done. They were lucky to get to do this. And that was it. They didn't have any ideas on what to do for the next two, three, four, whatever. Um, Obviously, the movie was a success. They were asked if they would do another one. And they, of course, said yes. But they had nothing. And 
Look, if you're going to shoot your shot and you don't have anything else, then move aside and let someone who does like take over because I do not want to see Dungeons and Dragons go the same way that the Pirates of the Caribbean movies have gone because unfortunately those went downhill pretty quickly in my opinion. Um, I like so... all of them, but that does not mean they're good movies. It's that <laughs> exactly. they're fun and enjoyable. Exactly. But, you know, so, I mean, no... if, 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 if they, like I said, if, if that's what scared me about the director saying that we didn't have any thoughts to do a franchise, it's like, look, if this was your shot and you, you did it, like move on, do something for Marvel, do something for DC, whatever, you know, I'd love to see you guys work some more. Um, but if, if this is your passion, you got another idea, then let's bring it. Cause, uh, whether it is with the same characters or not, I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board. So, um, well, very cool. I think we, I think that goes for all of us, right? We're all on board, uh, next time. Oh yeah. Uh, Thumbs so, up. Awesome. I, so hopefully we'll see more adventures, uh, with Dungeons and Dragons. You know, the other adventure movie that this had a lot of spirit of was the very first mummy movie with Brendan Fraser. I can see yes. that. I can see that. Yes. Yes. The same way that. that had a ton of characters, but they <laughs> all got spotlights. They all had their moments. They balanced yes. it all out. Mm hmm. I don't think I've yes. seen an adventure movie that's been able to pull that off quite as well until this. So yeah, they I, uh, they've all been a lot of them ever been replaced by superhero movies, and so and it's it, nice to see the adventure movie with this and with Indiana Jones coming back. Or we were seeing a renaissance of and I think adventure movies. So I'm really excited agreed. about that that idea. So. Uh, well, very cool. Well, thanks, guys, for uh, reviewing this movie with us. Um, we're going to be right back after we take we take a look at the con report. We're going to have a con report. We have a con report news. It's pretty amazing. We'll see you guys in a minute. Everybody, Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment and a quick nod to the passing of one of the great old school record label guys, Seymour Stein, who passed away at age 80 of cancer this past weekend in L.A. In 1966, he passed on signing Jimi Hendrix, but he did go on to co-found Sire Records and sign the Talking Heads, the Ramones, the Replacements, Depeche Mode, the Cure, the Pretenders, Echo and the Bunnymen, Ice-T, and an unknown girl singer from Detroit named Madonna. I think he made up for it. And do you like things that are a little eccentric, kind of unique, kind of weird, express a one-of-a-kind artistic vision? Well, if you don't, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. But Jim Stein, who was all of those things, and left us in April of 2021, his house is back on the market at the reduced rate of four and a half million dollars. And the stipulation by his estate that you buy the entire house and its contents in total as, as is. All of his stuff is still there. His piano that he composed on, his furniture, his gold records, his clothes, his custom-made wheelchair that's monogrammed with bat wings. Um... They say they're hoping for an artist to take this on as a studio and preserve Jim's vision intact. It's up in Ridgefield, Connecticut. I think it would make a killer movie set. Um, but who's going to schlep up to Ridgefield, Connecticut? I don't see 
uh, an artist or really anybody um, putting out this kind of money to buy a 6,000 square foot house with, with two bedrooms and all that stuff. It probably is undervalued given all the art that's in there. But I'm really glad that they took so much time to lovingly document it and photograph it because I really do think that it's going to have to work out economically that they'll have to disperse the art and somebody will buy it and uh, refurbish it into something probably a little more conventional. Um, But it is lovingly documented and it's worth taking a few minutes to go and look at it complete with the widow's walk balcony around the great room and the led stars in the ceiling and the very bizarre art and all of the all the wild wonderfulness that was <laughs> jim steinman's brain <laughs> crafted into his home uh you can check it out at see the property steinman and the listing will will come up first on google so take a few minutes watch the video and marvel in the in the uniqueness of it because uh while the music will last i think i think the house will be a a fleeting glimpse of its owner this has been the iconic rock talk show moment and we will catch you next time hi i'm joe heath i'm tony heath and we host the watchathon of rassilon a podcast where we watch every episode of doctor who and then talk to you about it it's like an idiot's guide to doctor who and where are the idiots the watchathon of rassilon a doctor who podcast made by idiots and a proud member of the ESO network. And now it's time for the con report and we are joined for us tonight our friend Robert Young. Welcome Robert and you have a South Carolina Comic Con update for us. I do. April 15th and 16th here in Greenville. I'm uh, I'm terrified it's too close. Two less than 2 <laughs> weeks now, dude. It's, Thanks. It's amazing. I know, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm trying to be here to, you know, calm you down, get some information from you, but no, I just probably made it so much more worse. You know? <laughs> I'm going to go get a Xanax milkshake or something now. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> <I'm> panicking. <laughs> well, so this is what the the ninth one. This is the ninth ninth you know, one. Tenth, tenth year, ninth convention because of COVID. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll be at ten next year. And- um, keep, just, yeah, just keep practicing, Robert. You'll get it right one of these days. One of these days, there's going to be a show somebody comes to. It's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. Um, it, it gets old standing outside and nobody in line. But we're going to we're going to have a line this year. At least five people. I promise. <laughs> yes, at least, man. You guys have. That's one thing that's be, been consistent since the first year. Lines way out the door to get in. You got. You don't have any problem getting people to come. It's, um, you know, we found a way to touch people, I think, and and let them know that we have this cool event. And that's the part that uh, is the biggest challenge, I think, when you're doing a live event, is how do you reach out and touch people who are interested and let them know? Because you have this little tiny window. It's not like they're going to, like a graphic novel, they can find it five years later. But, you know, doesn't work for a live event. So, so far, so good. Yeah. So tell us who, who's coming, who are you excited? Who should we, who are we going to see there? Gosh, man. So for comic people, I mean, you got Kevin Eastman, creator of turtles, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. He's great. Uh, I think he's fantastic if you're into comics, obviously, but some of the guys I think that might get, they're new and and they might get lost in some of the mix Uh, folks that have always been there, of course, but Andy Belanger is going to be there who uh, did mother trucker and some really cool Kickstarter stuff. Um, It's also a pro wrestler. 
So look that way. That's, right. That's kind of really? crazy. Yeah, That's he really is. Awesome. And, he's, and he's great. Uh, Chad Bowers is back. He's written G.I. Joe and Youngblood. Um, Noah Salt is in. He also worked on Turtles. Um, Veronica and Andy Fish. Uh, all the stuff they've done is incredible with Archie and everything else. Um, Absolutely. There's this guy named Peter Culler. I don't, I don't know if you've heard of him. Maybe, Michael. I am familiar. Maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. possibly yeah. some tiki stuff. Look at the top of the hat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just maybe. <laughs> um, but also uh, Michael Yuri has never been to our show. And uh, he's, uh, I believe, the editor for Back Issue. Uh, Agnes Garbowska, who worked on Superhero Girls um, and My Little Pony. Uh, Dan Fraga. One of the early guys at Image, um, so there's a a bunch of of just new people uh, that are coming. That I think that's the part that excites me. Jody LaHup's back, Bill Gallier, Kelly Yates. If you're into Doctor Who, think maybe peek for the program book cover. Um, Absolutely. And well, Richard, I, think, I, I, I think Kelly Yates is one of uh, John Wick's stunt doubles too. So I'm <laughs> positive that that Keanu Reeves is his stunt double. Okay, that uh, makes yeah, more sense. I believe yeah, that. Yeah. I Keanu believe would, that. would love to draw like Kelly, I'm pretty sure. There's no way he can draw two and do all that. that. That's just, he's embarrassing people. He needs to not do that. Now, I know that last year, one of the, the hot items was the uh, the donuts from Bad Idea Comics. I, I understand that they're going to be back. There seems to be a rumor that mm, they're going to be back. I've heard things. I've heard things. There are things are happening. Um, so yes, they're going to be doing some craziness as they always do. And, uh, trust me, I, I didn't even see the book till the con. It's like, what are they doing? A book. That's my knowledge. <laughs> they were doing a book. So, uh, who knows what they're putting in those donut boxes this year. And, uh, apparently there are all kinds of flavors. But That's who, what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> leave it at that. Folks can do their research on that. Um, but Dinesh and the guys will be there. Adam Freeman will be there. It'll be a good time. They're, they're really good dudes. Um, for folks that like, uh, the media guests, I mean, Emily Swallow from Mandalorian. I mean, the timing for that couldn't be that better. That is to have just the armor. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's mm-hmm. great. That show's great. That's a great get. I mean, mm-hmm. I love that show. Um, uh, oh. I like Boba Fett too. I don't know. Some people didn't. I, I thought it was fun. I liked it. Well, that is the way, so it's okay. And uh, no spoilers for anybody who's seen the show, but man, the armor really goes into action in that last week's episode. So, I mean, she mm-hmm. it's going to be fun to ask her about that. I'm excited too, because you're like, how much was you? How much that was you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> you never really know. Um, Adasa from Encanto, I think we have... Uh, few surprises there's some more uh, power rangers possibly showing up that we haven't announced yet uh johnny nice. Bosch, um billy west from futurama um folks like wrestling and other things among yeah. other things Wait, johnny and yeah. i don't think we can list his you realize johnny and Bosch was in akira really yeah that, that blew me wow. away Akira. Now I'm feeling old. Now I'm feeling really old. <laughs> He's got to be feeling old if he was in Akira and he wasn't four. Oh, <laughs> I know we weren't four. I no. was not four. No, we we were drinking and watching Akira. It's probably what was happening with us. We were maybe even legally. Who knows? We will. Mm. You know, so, <laughs> maybe. Um, maybe. 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 No comment. Ixnay on the inknay. <laughs> uh, you know, the wrestling is something. Believe it or not, I like. I I, I love wrestling. Um, so too. we have Hangman Adam Page, man, world champ. Um, has had a series of crazy matches with John Moxley of late. Jamie Hayter, women's world champ. Um, yes. Current world champ will be there. Um, along with Teddy Long. And and look, 
every year we book somebody. Um, I'm not going to say like completely just for me. Um, oh, yeah. Jim Steranko one year was, I wanted to have him at the con so bad. I, I was like, I don't care, whatever it takes. For for me, being an MMA mm-hmm. fan, Don the Predator Fry. Oh, I saw you got him. That was, was one of the awesome. toughest human beings to walk the face of the earth. Um, ask him about his fight with Ken Shamrock. If, if anybody gets to meet him, he won that fight after Ken Shamrock broke both his ankles hmm. and he won the fight. That's, that's tough. Mm-hmm. That is tough. And oh, uh, yeah. Dan Severn, uh, WWE oh, yeah. wrestler, NWA champion, UFC champion, um, still gives wrestling clinics. Uh, still works his tail off. Dan is one of the hardest working guys you'll ever meet. Uh, so yeah, a ton of people. Kind of that people. is awesome. That you is also awesome. got some uh, activities, right? Uh, contests and whatnot. Well, the costume contest is is back. We we keep getting asked for it, and uh, we're a little nervous about it. It's, it's going to be I'm terrified of how big it could be. You remember last time it it was hard. We I think we had. 400 chairs and people are like, well, I don't have a place to sit. I'm like there's 400 chairs. I don't know what to do. You, Where people we? turn out in costume and mass. Oh, at your the, con. So it's yeah, crazy, a lot of right? great costumes too. Well, I think it's, we're so close to Atlanta, right? I mean, Atlanta is the cosplay capital of the world, I think, um, you know, with dragon con and everything. And so I think a lot of folks, it, it just kind of spreads. We're only a couple hours away. So it spreads to us. Um, but our, our costume guests, um, are actually pretty cool. We have Chris and Miracle Burns um, mm-hmm. running the costume contest. And Chris worked on Wakanda Forever. Mm-hmm. Miracle, I think, was uh, directing the costumes for Doom Patrol, among other things. That's right. Yeah. And uh, and then Yaya Han uh, will also be at the show and giving away a special award at the costume contest. She may be, I think she's got one and a half million followers or something on Facebook. It's it's crazy. So I think that. Uh, Folks that are into cosplay are going to really have a good time with it. Absolutely. That's Everybody's so going to have a good time. Oh, yeah. there's no, You cannot not have a good time at your convention, my friend. Oh, man, we try. And then uh, the oh, convention yeah. hotel is a Hyatt this year, so all of us will be wandering around downtown Friday and Saturday and Sunday night. So it's downtown's going to look a little different, full of uh, cosplayers, <laughs> I think. <laughs> it's going to look like Dragon Con. <laughs> Baby <laughs> Dragon Con. Maybe Dragon Gun. That'll be cool. Well, very cool. <laughs> and uh, people can get tickets online, certainly. Is that run out at any time or get them at the gate? Or uh, it runs through uh, Friday. Uh, through, okay. uh, they, they cut it off and they'll, they'll have that posted online at sccomicon.com. Folks can get tickets there. If they're local here in Greenville, they can get tickets there. And then we do a will call on uh, the week of the con. So folks, if they don't want to wait in line or wait in line at will call at the con to pick up their wristbands to get in, we give them their wristbands the week of the show at the shop. And it takes some of the pressure off those lines uh, Saturday and Sunday. I think it's a, a good way to relieve some stress there and get people in a little faster and have a better experience. Absolutely. And it's a good chance to get into the new store too. So yeah, I was going to say, and speaking of this new store, you have to yeah plug that away. Cause that's a, that's a beaut. Yeah, I understand. Mike's been, I've, I, other friends of mine have been, I have, I can't wait to see it myself. It's going to change. You're going to come see it. Got to. Yes. Um, it's a, it's a six year odyssey. Uh, actually it took three years to buy that building. We walked on it twice. Uh, it was in a crazy 
rust and it was just a, a nightmare. Um, it needed a ton of work. So we, uh, it's pretty wild. We replaced the roof. We had to prop up the foundation. Um, we had to rewire the entire building, replace all the duct work, replace all the heat and cooling. And it's 16,000 square feet. Rebuild every interior wall. It's, it's pretty wild. But what I think we've ended up with is kind a of a new uh, second in Charles. Yeah, it's brand new. And it's like a, yeah. a Barnes and Noble for nerds. You know, those yeah. things, 16,000 square feet. I have to vacuum it's it with huge. robots. It is huge. <laughs> and it's it's scary because, you know, when we came to visit, there was parking was packed. It was totally packed. We had to park over at your Hamley next next door neighbor. Oh, yeah. Honey baked ham. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll tell you something funny. Um, they're really sweet people. And right. I think it was the week after our annual sale, which is completely insane. You guys have, have mm-hmm. seen that. Um, mm-hmm. They they came over and brought us a ham. And I went, what really? is this, what's this for? And they went, your people come in and eat a lot of food. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. So they that brought us awesome. a ham to say thank you. <laughs> oh, that is great. Nice. So they were, they were awesome. Oh, Rob, that is cool. I love hearing those kind of stories. And you guys deserve it. You guys really do. South Carolina Comic Con, you know, this show goes out on Thursday. And it's only going to be a week away. It's, it's literally. Yeah, thanks. Look, man, I'm telling you, Xanax Milkshake's going to be good. Yeah, um, I know. We've come a long way, man. Our, our first convention was 1996. It was at Howard Johnson's on Lawrence Road. The building's no longer there. Um, and it was it was a really good time. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and then, uh, I stopped doing shows and I ran into a guy at the mall and, uh, I was remarried and he said, man, when are you going to do a show? When are you going to do another show? And I'm like, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. And Michelle finally, when he walked away, she went, what is a show? <laughs> didn't read comics. She had no Famous idea. Famous last words. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so now she wanted to helping do running one. it. That's awesome. Yeah. She wanted to do one. And the one we did was Dave Cockrum's last public appearance. Wow. We did, we did really? it in that same building. Um, and it was his last public appearance. It was really cool. He lived in Belton. Um, he was super sweet. And um, man, I tell you, it was, it was wild. We had him. We had Francesco Francavilla when mm-hmm. he was doing a black coat, I think it was black called. Black coat, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. And I think it was eight comics or something like that. Yep. So, uh, so yeah. And, 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 you know, it just went from there and that led to us doing the store and believe it or not, Michelle was really, my wife was so fired up and she, we've got to do a bigger show, got to do it. And so we finally committed to it and did the, did the small one, which was what, 40, 40,000 square feet. But, and then mm-hmm. uh, I just said, we're just going to go all in. And the next one, we tripled the next one and uh, went from, you know, the two day 40,000 to two days, 120. And uh, we're not going to a three-day show anytime soon. I'll tell you that. I don't want to. <laughs> sure. Wanna so, so Friday's not going to be the new Saturday. No. Man, I tell you, there's no way. I, it's it's tough. So for folks that don't know, the the really big challenge of that, at least as I see it, is how do you get enough volunteers to handle Thursday for load-in mm. and then Friday? Yeah. It's a lot easier to get a few people on Friday take a half day Friday, come help or whatever. Then you got Saturday and Sunday. That Friday yeah. is the tough one. That's the tough, tough For logistic sure. monster to try to pull. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Totally makes wow. sense. Well, you do great work. You, Michelle, all your staff, everybody's volunteering. Uh, it's always, they, it's a great time to come up there. Uh, mm-hmm. 
they also, insure it. They make it very, very pleasant. It's also very family friendly, which is awesome. That's a big one for us. We don't allow them. Uh, uh, they don't sell any alcohol in the building while we're there, even though we have nothing against drinking. Um, it's just a, to make that family friendly atmosphere. We want people to have a good time and uh, be safe going home with that many people. And it works out fantastic. Matter of fact, where I'm sitting, although it doesn't look like it behind me here, look at my arms are disappearing. There they go. Um, the, uh, this is actually where she does all the work for the con. I'm actually at my wife's desk because I don't have one because I'm a kid. You're working out of an asylum. We, so, we can gotcha. see that. We can yeah. see, see that. that. Well, I, I want to <laughs> say I probably put her in the asylum before the con, but the con probably helped. It doesn't <laughs> hurt. Yeah. It's pretty fun though. Awesome. But you guys have supported us the entire time, man. I remember you guys coming to free comic book day at the shop and us recording oh, yeah. a show sitting, sitting in front of the comic rack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that. Yep. It is, uh, it is great to, to visit. Um, and you put on a good show and, uh, Greenville is a great town to go to. So I implore anybody out there, if you haven't already made plans to do so, come join us on, uh, what is it, April 15th and 16th, right? April 15th and 16th. We look All forward right. to being in. I tell you, it's a great, Greenville is such a great weekend town. Folks go downtown, they can see the Falls Park Bridge. We've got museums and we've got more restaurants than you won't be able to eat at all the good restaurants in downtown nope. Greenville. Tons and tons of great places there. Absolutely. And it is awesome. And it's not a far drive from anywhere, pretty much. Yeah. And if you're... It isn't. If you're in Charlotte, if you're in Atlanta, if you're in Knoxville, Asheville, even Chattanooga and further, you know, a little bit further away, plenty of, you know, two and a half, three hour drive at the most. Easy. And like if you draw a circle from Gatlinburg around, you know, it's like three yeah. hours. Uh, yep. It's, yep. it's exactly. not bad. Come so, join us. Please, please, please. And stop. We're each going to have tables. So please stop by and say howdy. Absolutely. And bring all, all your comics you want to sell and take them to the Borderlands booth. I'm, I'm not exactly. biased at all. Exactly. <laughs> so awesome, man. Thanks, Robert. All Guys, right, we'll see you. Thanks as always. I appreciate y'all. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment to close up the show. Everyone these days could use a little support and your friends at the ESO network are no different with the ESO network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. that's going to wrap up another episode of the earth station one podcast. I want to thank everybody for being here tonight. JD. Thank you, sir, for being here. You were awesome. Uh, and I'm, I'm always happy to be on the show, but thank you. This was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, I'll go back into the airlock shortly after this ends. Don't worry. I know where my station is, but yeah, um, exactly. It's, it's nice to get out every once in a while. And uh, it's really just, it, it feels like old times and, before the world before the world stopped making sense and this this show is always a good escape to what I feel like how things used to be. So thanks for always being consistent with putting on a great show. 
Well, thank you, sir. I do appreciate it. And thank you for the consistency and of being part of the show. And also, of course, congratulations on your podcast that you've been doing. Uh, which Mike was on my podcast last year as a guest. And I said on that show, I wouldn't be doing that show had I not guested on ESO for the Green Lantern mm-hmm. episode. Because I'm like, I was feeling an itch. It's like I wanted to try doing it. But I thought maybe if I'm a guest on a show... It doesn't go well. I'm like, maybe it's not for me. But uh, <laughs> it was so I have Mike directly to thank who answered my email all those years ago. And they're like, sure, you can be on the show. And I'm like, oh, what do I even say? And then he's like, well, we're going to talk about Green Lantern. I'm like, oh, thank God you have a topic picked out. So, oh, yeah. Because um, I'm always do. Even on our show, we always joke that we're not good at show prep. So, but <laughs> I show prep. What's that? <laughs> Well, it's it helps when you have organized there. people that to, to plan things. Like, you send me this nice Google Doc, and I read the whole thing, and I'm like, oh, this is great. Between my co-host and I, I don't know if we could, I don't know if we'd get around to typing out a title and a half a page of notes, let alone something that's actually, like, you have an agenda, and you've got, like, future shows listed, and I'm like, wow, it must be nice to be this organized. I can't <laughs> admit well, well, AD, with it's that, with, the best. with that huge plug that I'm sure people are curious, where can they go to listen to you? Where can they it find is, your show? It's on <laughs> YouTube. Uh, it's called the General Geekery Podcast. My co-host Brian and I, we just we get on and we just usually wing it. We talk about toys, we talk about sci-fi, we talk about movies we're watching, and we talk about the the custom action figures that we make. So it's. I, I always joke that we have no technical skills, but people are listening for the quality content, not our expertise, not our not our polished image. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, Mike was on the show last year, and it was a uh, yeah, it was fun. It was it was uh, a great it was a great great time, and I appreciate being on the show. It was a it was a blast talking with you guys, and I appreciate it. Ashley, thank you as always for being here. Oh, thank you. It is always a pleasure. And it was great to have you back. Anything you want to shout out about? Um, Yeah, you can uh, find my blogs over on the ESO podcast website. Recently wrote about Shazam and looking forward to writing more of my thoughts about the D&D movie as well. Awesome. 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 I can't wait to read about it. That is awesome. And Mr. Mike, we've made it through another one, sir. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Uh, yeah, I want to give a shout out. Uh, it's, it's that time of year again. And I always am surprised. I don't know why, because they always manage to bring it somehow. But WWE once again has put together a great WrestleMania weekend, uh, two nights. Well, actually, it's about a week now of programming. But the main two nights, Saturday and Sunday, both, I think there was not a bad match on the card. Uh, some were better than others, of course, but I think uh, the spectacle of it was absolutely outstanding. Um, and, uh, you know, they did it again. And, uh, you know, for those people who, um, you know, uh, might be upset with some of the outcomes, uh, the story's not finished. So I know they have big plans moving forward. So um, I'm, it just sort of renews my energy. Uh, although, after a while, I do get kind of tired. I need a break, especially after WrestleMania weekend because there's so much. But I have to give them credit. This was one of the biggest ones they've ever done. 
And it was got good timing too, because I think they just got sold. I was so... going to say, yeah, I think <laughs> I just read that they're merging with somebody who owns UFC too. So yeah, yep. exactly. Um, so that should, who knows what the future is going to bring, but this is not going to be the last WrestleMania. Um, and as long as the same people who did this one are behind the next one, I I have no f- doubt that it's going to be amazing as well. Even in the future, if most sporting events go away because, I don't know, the apocalypse happens or something, pro wrestling will stick around. So, <laughs> um, Oh, yeah. They might be fighting for food, but that's a whole different story. So that People will watch that, too, with rapt oh, yeah. attention. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, my shout-outs real quick. Um, Judy and I started watching a new show on Amazon. It is called Daisy Jones and the Six. It is an amazing, amazing show. It's shot in faux, um, basically biography type, you know, where the people are being interviewed, but they have the flashbacks and, you know, the showing the story of how everything happened in the show. And it's very loosely based on the story of Fleetwood Mac, very loosely. But it's very, it's a great show. The music is amazing. The acting is amazing. And it's based off of a book that came out a couple of years ago. So definitely check it out. Highly recommend. We're not done with it yet. So we don't even know how it ends. So I know there's some lots of twists and ties that are ahead. We're f- five episodes in, so we have f- five left. So it should be very interesting to see. Uh, the other thing I wanted to give a quick shout out to is to wish my co-host, Mr. Mike Gordon, a happy anniversary. It is Station One's 13th anniversary. Woohoo! Wait, no number. kidding. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. That's, that's amazing. April, um, April 7th, uh, 2010 was our first episode. And that's, that's um, when I, I started the show and that's when it was, released was, i did it was on the anniversary episode. i awesome. i didn't i yeah. i didn't join until a few episodes later though so my, yeah. technically my anniversary is not till like august yeah he joined in i think 17 episodes later so was his first episode and i think it was you know you, your first episode was attack of the clones i think was your our review like for that. that yeah and then you i know you it was star wars stayed. related you stayed and stayed and stayed. It was awesome. I did. I just so, I can't figure out how to get out. Yeah. To this day, I, I hear people say howdy, but when they don't say it like Mike, I'm like, that's not right. Howdy. So. <laughs> that's how it goes. Just so, it is pretty well, awesome. It's to, your, it's to your credit, sir. 13 years and we are on the cusp of recording episode 700. Yep. Uh, that's just amazing to me. Like, I don't think either one of us could have even come close to imagining us being this doing this this long no not this long and we have some really amazing things planned coming up and our youtube channel is starting to gain some traction and if you haven't liked and subscribe up there like and subscribe you know type thing it's always great Uh, we also are now listed under um youtube podcasts so you could also find us up there as a podcast so you know, we're figuring everything out slowly but surely. I'm sure we're doing everything ass backwards, as they say, but you know, but we're making it and it's going to be a ton of fun and it's going to be a big adventure for all of us going forward. And, you know, I'm looking forward to sharing it with each and every one of you, especially my co-host. It's always great to be with this man. 
And as always, thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. Always remember, we couldn't do this without you. If you want to support us, please, ch please check out our T Public store and get some cool ESO network swag. Also remember, you could also help support our show by going to our ESO network Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you could help support us here at Earth Station One. Check out the ESO network at patreon.com. We also want to hear from you, so please write us anytime at feedback at earthstation1.com. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found. And now Earth Station One can also be found in video format on YouTube. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. Remember, hit that little bell at the top. That's way you'll know that when we a new episode is out. And we're doing twice a week now, so it's pretty cool stuff we got going on. On behalf of myself, of course, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, of course, Ashley Pauls, and Mr. JD himself. Thank you for listening. We will see you here next time on the Air Station One podcast. Have fun. Go, let's go raid a castle or something and just have a good time. Everybody roll for initiative. Exactly. Peace. And we are done. Boom. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.